Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It's still Welcome to this week's edition of the Still Real Talk Show, episode number 643 for June 9th, 2022. This is your NXT In Your House and WWE Hell in a Cell recap and review edition of SRTU. I'm one half of the show. I am Jeff Peck, joined every single week by my co-host, the one way Dr. Trey Franklin. Dr. Trey, please tell me you don't have an injury as well, my friend. I mean, I did pass a kidney stone last week. I mean, oh, did you true. already forget this? It comes in threes. Damn it. <laughs> I mean, it literally is seven millimeters. It's nearly the size of a bullet, Jeff. We did like 20 minutes on it last week. Wow. Yeah, no, I forgot. I, but you, I think it's different because like you, you powered through. Like you did your match like as if you were CM Punk on Dynamite. You powered through your match as if you were Cody Rhodes at LNSL. So I guess you were... The first in the threes of bad injuries to hit the world of professional wrestling. It's possible, although I did not have the massive discoloration, thankfully. Yeah, are you are you upset about that? Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't have been Instagramming pictures of it <laughs> if it was discolored. So thank God. No, for no, no. That. I, I, I'm pretty. I'm pretty content with the uh, coloration of my groin area. Surprisingly oh, enough, that's the title of this week's episode: the coloration <laughs> of Doctor Trey's groin area. Dr. Trey, let's get right into it. Usually we do recap and reviews, but these are huge, huge injury stories um, that have rocked the world of professional wrestling. CM Punk and Cody Rhodes both, uh, within a couple days of one another, hours of one another, uh, suffered injuries that will put them on the shelf, uh, theoretically, for an indefinite amount of time. Uh, we, we have no idea what CM Punk's injury legit is and or how it happened. Um, according to Jim Ross on Dynamite last night, he uh, CM Punk had surgery Wednesday morning for a lower leg injury. There's a lot of internet sleuths out there that think that Punk got injured when he did the stage dive uh, at the start of Dynamite for the uh, six-man tag team match against uh, Max Caster and uh, the Gun Club when they when he teamed with FTR. Um, there's folks that think that he may have heard him, heard himself when he did the buckshot lariats, uh, that kind of like botched in the double or nothing made event against Hangman Page. He also tried to do a springborn clothesline in that match against Mac, Max Caster and the uh, Gun Club on Dynamite and, and slipped off. Um, so we really don't know when and where and, and how it happened yet, uh, but he has some sort of lower leg injury. Uh, Cody Rhodes on Raw during the Brawls angle with Seth Rollins. Uh, unbeknownst to him, I guess, at the time, where he, he kept it quiet, was just figuring maybe it was a strain. Partially tore his pectoral muscle, and then while working out on the Friday, heading into Hell in a Cell, completely tore the pectoral muscle off the bone, 
wrestled at Hell in a Cell against Seth Rollins. We'll, we'll fully recap that match here momentarily uh, in a very gutsy and memorable performance from Cody Rhodes. But Dr. Trey, I mean, huge blows to both AEW and WWE. I mean, probably the two hottest superstars in both companies right now. CM Punk and AEW is a new world champion, beginning his run as world champion. And then Cody Rhodes, since he came back to WWE from WrestleMania 38, has probably been the best wrestler on the roster, the most uh, popular roster on the roster, or wrestler on the roster, I should say, this entire time. Thoughts here, Punk, Cody, on the shelf. Yeah, I mean, it, it totally sucks. I mean, there's no other way to spin it. I mean, for AEW, you make the big switch as you head into Forbidden Door, put the title on Punk, and now he's hurt. So that kind of, you know, reshuffled the entire deck for what was probably planned for, I mean, for Forbidden Door. I kind of noticed when they when you sh- when they showed the uh, post MJF pipe bomb segment that wasn't viewed or wasn't shown to the public. When Punk came down, he was limping. Um, so part of me thought it was just kind of selling it, but you know, now looking back, you're like, no, he was actually probably hurt and didn't really know how bad it was, and then made his way down to kind of run MJF off. Um, now you're looking back, going, did he really need to do all those spots? in a match with Max Caster in the gun club. Like what did it do to elevate him and FTR by doing all that stuff against, you know, a, a lower mid card trio. Uh, so you, maybe th- this kind of goes back to the whole, like, Hey, you don't have to have every match be a four or five star match. Some matches can be two stars just to get the point across. The Cody one really sucks because you know, when, when all these negotiations were going on, you know, they're kind of saying, oh, yeah, Cody, they're going to push Cody to the moon. They're going to push Cody to the moon. And you and I were like, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll believe it when we see it. Well, we saw it. They did it. They pushed him to the moon. Like, he's been the poster child for WWE for the last three months. Um, and so the timing of this could not come at a worse time. Like, he was red hot. Now, you're hoping that whenever he comes back, you get that Cena, Triple H, return from injury pop. And, and, and he just takes off right where he left off. But... You know, heading into SummerSlam, um, nine months puts it in. I think torn pecs are usually six to eight, six to eight months. I, I uh, believe it's they're show, they're saying about three to five. So yeah, the last I, torn I pec that I remember that. was was Triple H at uh, I think it was Crown Jewel that match when he paired up with HBK against the Brothers of Destruction. He tore his pec. I think probably the most notable quick return pectoral uh, muscle being torn was John Cena when he returned to the Royal Rumble. I think he got injured in October of that year, and there was actually discussion at the time that he would miss or be right around WrestleMania. Um, And that was a huge shock when he obviously appeared at the uh, 2008 Royal Rumble at Madison Square Garden. I I think the timeline I saw was about three to five months. Nonetheless, I mean, this is huge ramifications for both companies right now. We'll talk about it from a storyline standpoint and some of the moves that we've seen in the last week, but... You know, specifically looking at CM Punk here, I, I feel awful for him because I feel like um, he has just started to get back in his own, got his sea legs underneath him. He's starting to get back to the matches that we know and love from CM Punk. It was really enjoying his time. I was really looking forward to seeing where his world title reign was going to go with AEW. Uh, in regards to Cody Rhodes, um, I mean, I've really enjoyed his return and build in WWE. I think he was set to win Money in the Bank. That would be my pick if he was in that match, and I don't see why he wouldn't be. Uh, to win that match would be Cody Rhodes, and and I think he was on the run to being one of the biggest babyfaces. I mean, this could not have happened. Like, I, I couldn't think of any other wrestlers. Maybe like Riddle right now, where if an injury happened to a Riddle, a Braun Breaker, um, a Wardlow, I'd be like, oh my God, this is the worst time in the world. Like, this is the worst time in the world for both Cody Rhodes and CM Punk. There's no perfect time for an injury, but this was like the worst time it could possibly happen. I mean, if Titus had got injured when he tripped and fell at Greatest Royal Rumble. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that, that would have been devastated. Yeah. I mean, that would, that would be the perfect time for an injury. It's like, yeah, we'll just take you off TV for the next year. Um, but, yeah, it, it's horrible timing for both these guys. You know, like you're right, like Punk coming back. He was finally getting back in the groove. You know, and, and then this this whole, I don't know about you. How do you feel about this whole interim championship thing? they do in AEW. I, I, I haven't figured out if I like it or not because we've seen it with the TNT title. Yeah. I, well, I don't know if I'm a fan of it. 
I did not like when they did it for the TNT title when Cody was out with COVID. And I think, obviously, it's very easy to look at that short term now because Cody was able to make a very fairly fast recovery from COVID, thankfully. You know, maybe they were thinking the long run, if he was going to be out for a couple of months with COVID, it would be a different story. Uh, but he came back pretty quick. And then it was, you know, champion versus champion, Sammy Guevara and Cody Rhodes. I did not like in that particular instance. This instance here with the interim champion, um, I think it's the right call because, you know, whenever we see people relinquish titles, Dr. Trey, uh, I think I immediately think of Finn Balor. I mean, they sometimes they get pushed right off to the side like a Finn Balor was, or it's always like a build back up to the championship. They're never immediately in the championship picture as quickly as we would hope, and they left as champion. Um, I think I'm okay with it. I think I'm okay with it, with Punk being the, the, the champion that never lost, them having the inter- interim title, and then they'll go title for title. I don't know how that affects like title histories, but I, I think this is... I think it's the most respectful thing you could do for the other wrestlers who uh, are going through a particular, you know, injury that's plaguing them from having their run with the championship for however many, you know, period of time they, they want to. And obviously, AEW wants them to have the championship for a while. Like, if not, maybe they could have done an injury angle and, and had them drop the title. But I, I'm okay with it. I, what do you think about the entire thing? Yeah, I, I, on one hand, I look at it and it's like, okay, it's a built-in storyline when the guy returns, and so like, I, it's it's almost like an easy out for the booking team, the writing team, the creative behind it. You know, you're right in WWE when a guy loses a belt due to injury, they're never quite back on the same level. Um, you you mentioned Finn Balor. I think of like when Dolph Ziggler got concussed after cashing in Money in the Bank and basically had to drop the belt and then from then on he was never back on that same level again um but if you're a good creative staff it's an to me the return is an easy way to bring the guy right back up to that top level you just kind of wait till whatever current storyline's running and just plan out like hey he's gonna be back at this point when he comes back we're ramping up into the chase to get his belt back that he never lost um i don't know like for me with the title histories when you have interim champions like to me, it's like, do we count, you know, Sammy's interim run as an extra title reign? But since he won the belt, is just one continuous run. Like the the people that keep records and, and keep eyes on stuff like that, that might be a little bit confusing. Like if if Moxley comes out as the interim champion, and then Punk returns and Punk defeats Moxley, does that count as Moxley's second title run, or is it just basically like? you know, forgotten about and he's back to one. Like it does get a little confusing. It does. With all the interim championships. uh, They referred to Sammy Guevara as a three-time champion, right? I think when he had the title, so he, how did that work? He won the championship, uh, lost it to Cody and won it back from Cody in that great ladder match on dynamite. Uh, Then he dropped it to Scorpio sky and sky had it for like a day. And then Scorp- he dropped it to Scor- then he dropped it back to Scorpio Sky. I think Sammy Guevara is considered a three time champion. Okay, so even though he was already the champion because he defeated the other champion, it became a second a second reign? I think it counts as it counts as a title reign, yeah. Okay. It, yeah, it, it just, not, it, not because it, 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 No 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 no. So he won the championship first time and then dropped it to Cody. Cody got COVID. He won the interim title. And then he defeated Cody to be the champion, the standalone champion. That's his second reign. Okay. I may have explained this bad. And then the third time, he, he dropped it to Scorpio and then won it back from Scorpio, and he was a three-time champion. So Listen they acknowledge it as a, as a reign, no matter what. So us, us nerds who are into this stuff. Uh, I know. The ner- if the nerds have a hard time explaining it, imagine how the the people in AEW try to explain it. No, it w- I think I was having trouble explaining it because I forgot how he uh, won the title in the second reign. I forgot he defeated uh, Dustin Rhodes in uh, like a Rampage episode. Yeah, so I guess I guess you basically have no, it was two Battle of the Belts. I'm sorry. You have two. You have like two technically two champions at once. Then they the timelines merge. And you get one, you know, straight timeline. But you can't anytime you have the interim timeline breaks. But when the inter, when the the champion who was injured or whatever returns, like that match has to happen immediately. Like CM Punk can't come back 
and then defend the title against Wardlow and then take on the interim champion. Like it, he needs to come back and the very first match he has, whether it's on a dynamite all out, uh, full gear, whatever revolution, it needs to be against the interim champion. There, there can't be like any gap between, you know, before he faces the interim champion, like they can't be just both walking around with world titles. Yeah, this just turns into the multiverse of madness. It is. It's confusing, <laughs> but I also think it's probably the right thing to do because it keeps that person in their creative spot. So, um, nonetheless, injury ramifications obviously have ramifications creatively for both companies. Um, you know, both companies were were and we've seen it now play out. Have had to make some big creative changes very quickly to pivot their company and their creative plans forward into the next direction. I think one being on the AW side, very easy to, to tell as we just de- debated it here was the interim championship. Uh, I will say the, the dynamite episode from, from this past Wednesday, I thought was very good. The casino battle Royal uh, left. There wasn't many people in that match that I thought deserved to be in a number one or in that bracket tournament match against John Moxley. Uh, there was nobody that stood out to me. I mean, you had Hangman Page didn't perform in it. Wardlow didn't perform in it. Adam Cole didn't perform in it. it I mean, it, I looked at the ring. I'm like, who the hell is going to face Moxley at the end of the night? It's like, okay, maybe Andrade El Idolo, Ray Phoenix. Kyle O'Reilly was, was probably in that top three or five of my choices. But nonetheless, pleasant surprise that he won the match. I did not expect him at 8.30 when that match was over, the Casino Battle Royal, that he was going to defeat John Moxley, and he did not defeat John Moxley. So now Moxley goes to Forbidden Door. He will take on uh, the winner of uh, the match that, you know, this makes total sense because they're both AEW stars, Hiroki Goto and Hiroshi Tanahashi at Dominion, uh, which I, I think is just strange that they're doing a match of two guys who have never wrestled in AEW will now immediately get into the next match to become the interim champion. But nonetheless, this is how we get to Moxley taking on what I presume to be Hiroshi Tanahashi, no disrespect to Hiroki Goto, um, for the interim AEW World Championship, which I would suspect is John Moxley. Uh, from the creative side here, Dr. Trey, I mean, they obviously had to scramble a little bit. You know, they got the news that were perceived to be on Friday. Maybe they knew where things were headed on Wednesday night. Had to come up with something quick. It, it, it's, you know, I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't feel like running this to the coals here because they did what they had to do creatively to get to another point for, to, for, to Forbidden Door. However, I just wish it was a little bit more believable at who could take down John Moxley um, to get to that match. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I, I was I was thinking like, how would I have done? It is weird when you have a ranking system, because I'm like, why wouldn't they just do number one contender versus number two contender, and then that person goes to Forbidden Door to do the battle royal? I think the like, I think once again, coming off of uh, Double or Nothing, they kind of booked themselves into a corner because you had Kyle O'Reilly defeat Darby Allen at that show to give Kyle more singles credibility. If, if he wins, I guess that helps, but really, I mean, you could have gone a few different ways, but like you said, there wasn't enough top tier talent in that battle Royal to make me question like, Hey, if this guy wins, they might have him, you know, beat Moxley. Um, I mean, like you said, like literally everybody that I would want to see Moxley in the ring with is either out injured or they're holding them off for something else, i.e. Wardlow that you mentioned, him and you know Brian Danielson, same team, Samoa Joe, you know, Ring of Honor TV champ, so can't really use him. Can't bring in the Ring of Honor world champ at this point because he's out hurt. So there's, you know, Jericho's tied up with the, J, you know, with, you know, I mean, could you have put Jericho in there and then got Jericho Moxley? I thought that would have been great you know, too. Yeah, I'm I'm looking know, at this. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I was saying, I mean, even putting Garcia in because Garcia and Moxley just had a really compelling match, the previous Dynamite, and it ties into the storyline. Um, you know, the, just the, like the way they put together, like hell, like let Keith Lee win, and then you can elevate Keith Lee. Like Keith Lee fights Moxley. We all assume Moxley's going to win, but hell, it gives Keith Lee a little bit of a push coming out of, you know, the tag team stuff. 
I, I was also thinking maybe put Kinks in that match. We'll have him win the Battle Royal. I'm a big fan of Kingston. I don't think Kingston and Hiroshi Tanahashi is the direction that New Japan or AEW want to go. Uh, I would love to see that match, but that's not the direction they want to go. Moxley's the cash cow right here. I'm looking at the power rankings right now. Since uh, you pointed out, Dr. Train, number one contender is Moxley. Number two is Wardlow. Wardlow came out and said uh, he wanted a way for CM Punk to come back and have that match. Okay. What if Punk um, doesn't win Wardlow? Don't you just make yourself feel like an idiot? Yeah, no, that seemed to, it seemed strange. It was their weird way of acknowledging it, but getting him out of it. Uh, Adam Cole is reportedly injured. Hangman Page, don't know why he wasn't in that match, even though he was facing David Finley later in the night. Jay Lethal, yeah, I mean, was is I mean, number five I, right now is Jay Lethal, which is shocking really? to me. Yeah, really. Okay. Da- Danielson's hurt. I mean, they have a lot of injuries right now. I mean, this is it's it's an, it's like an unfortunate perfect storm for AEW right now. I mean, I guess Jericho wasn't there, so. I mean, really, when you look at it, because when you look at the roster that's available, like Moxley is the only guy you want to see. Because that thing, Tanahashi and, Go, and, and, and Hiroshi go to, like, or go to, I can't pronounce his go name. Go to. I don't know why I'm doing that. Uh, go to. Like, on paper, should be a good match. But once again, like, you're looking at the main event or semi main event match here. Like, is, Tanahashi's on that level, but go to's not on that level. So it's like, you know. And Abushi's out injured. You got kind of the same thing in New Japan. It's like you got Okada and you got Tanahashi. Everybody else that might be compelling for the main event picture is like out injured as well. So they're kind of like, well, why don't we just do Mo-? like Moxie's not working? Like I don't, I didn't understand the pretense of having the battle royal in theory. Yeah. I'm like, All right, just make the number one guy do it. Number one against their number one. And, yeah. And it, go from there. It was strange. It, you know, I don't know. I feel like there could have been better booking, but that's kind of hindsight's 50-50 because they had to make a decision. That's what they went with in the time crunch that they had, given that this wasn't the plan at all. And they had to pivot, really, for the first time that I could remember uh, in AEW's history. Um, on the WWE side, who knows? I, I still think that there's probably... I think Cody's going to try to push to get in the Money in the Bank match, win that match, and then kind of go away for a while and let the injury heal up. That's just my feeling. But I think the big move that we saw, Dr. Trey, and the initial part of this was because the Cody injury that I thought, and then there was a report I think out on Monday or Tuesday that said otherwise, or maybe this added into it. But we saw on the Raw side that Edge, uh, he got backstabbed by the Judgment Day, the group that he's been leading, and is now internally listed as the babyface on the Raw side, which... One is a shame because I was loving where things were going with him with the Judgment Day. I thought it was a great layer to his career. Um, And then the second part is there's that story out there that's saying that the reason why Edge was removed uh, and switched with Finn Balor was because they want to do a supernatural direction of the Judgment Day. And he wasn't down with that. I, I, I don't, maybe it's a mixture of both. I would lean more towards. The fact that there are no true real baby faces anymore. Uh, but it's unfortunate with the Cody injury overall, but very unfortunate if the domino effect here is that on the Raw side, they decided to tur- turn Edge babyface when you still have guys like AJ Styles that can can carry that banner. I, I don't know if those two play into one another. I just thought it was peculiar. Cody goes down with injury. All of a sudden, Edge is getting backstabbed by the Judgment Day You know, six weeks after he started the group. Yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense to me either because, like, I get them wanting to go, <clears throat> you know, we may have to just in the fly, make a top new baby face. Hey, we have Edge. But Edge just spent the last three months telling people that he never needed them. And then because other pe- bad people turned on him, now we're supposed to embrace that. So it's just, it's 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 not as bad as Andrade turning because the Spanish announce table got no, broken. Alberto Del Rio. Del Rio, I'm sorry, I got Andrade in the brain. Yes, not as bad as Del Rio turning babyface because the Spanish announce table got injured, but it's pretty close because, like, you just spent the last three months brand new heel telling everybody how much they sucks, but never supposed to like you. And then the report about the supernatural angle, I'm like, isn't this the same guy that made purple blood rain down on Miz and Maurice just a few months back? Like, that's not some form of supernatural ability, like. Like you, you actually went up there by yourself with trash bags for, full of purple blood and and rigged it to fall. Like it's it's some of the things that come out in pro wrestling make me just go, why am I a fan? Because yeah. that story seems to me seems ridiculous. Like he was 
He just did the Brood entrance a few months ago, which is a vampire gimmick, which is supernatural. He was like, part of the Ministry of Darkness. Yeah, I'm like, it's it boggles my mind. I'm like, listen, I, I, I know I don't know if Edge found Jesus while he was in the Judgment Day, and that's why he didn't want to go that route. But uh, to me, the best approach is like, okay, have him turn babyface, and then when Cody's healthy, he was doing it just to get inside WWE, blows it up from within, jumps back to being the leader of the Judgment Day. That's how I would kind of do it. But, I mean, Finn Balor, the prince, on that big-ass throne with, with Damian Priest and Rhea behind or beside him, that's still going to be pretty cool when they pull that off. It, it will be. It will be. certainly will be. I would have liked to have seen that um, they let this play out a little bit. They're both in the group, and then Finn and Edge are fighting for power, and then eventually Finn and the group turns on Edge. But I didn't want to see it, like, right away. You know what this reminds me of was, um, what was the injury? Was the injury to... It was heading into, remember when Kevin Owens was working as a baby face when he came back and then had he turned heel on like Kofi, like abruptly, there was some sort of injury there. It was to Brian Danielson, well, Daniel Bryan. Well, there was also, yeah, there was also the, well, there was the Big E injury that made, that they got Kevin Owens into New Day and he was Big O. That's what I was talking about. Made- yeah, yeah. Daniel Bryan got hurt, and they immediately flipped him back. Yes, to feud with Kofi. Okay, so yeah. Biggie got hurt. He was paired up with the New Day for a little bit. They were doing the Big O, and then like it was, he had gone away. I don't know if Kevin was injured or he'd gone away for a little bit, but he left as a heel, came back as a babyface, was working as a babyface. Daniel Bryan got hurt heading into WrestleMania, or it was post WrestleMania. It was post WrestleMania because I saw post WrestleMania. It was post WrestleMania yeah, because I saw Kevin Owens. Russell Kofi, I think, at Money in the Bank that year. Yeah. Anyway, it was there was like this abrupt change where then Kevin was working as a heel, and then Kevin went back as a babyface like that summer very quickly, and that they did that admittedly because of an injury. And I just wonder if this is the same thing. Like I, I was really looking forward. It always stinks, right? Like when the punk stuff happened, it's an injury. You're like, man, that really sucks. I was looking forward to seeing where this thing was going to go. But you get it because it's an injury. The Cody stuff, I was really excited. I was really looking forward to where this thing goes. But he gets injured. You're like, okay, I understand that. But when they take a storyline that is building very slowly and it comes off very well on TV, like the Judgment Day and Edge leading it, and then it gets abruptly changed, I was like, oh, man, I really wanted to see how this is going to play out. Like, I thought that this was going to be, like, when you look back at the grand scheme of things of Edge's career, and this may still be the case, you look at how Edge came up, Brood Edge, Ministry of Darkness Edge, Babyface Edge, Rated R Superstar Edge, uh, Return to Edge, like the classic Edge character when he came back, and then he went to this Judgment Day. Like, I was like, okay, this would be a really cool layer to his career. Like, I'm digging it. You know, it's really good stuff that they're doing. And then it gets taken away so quickly. I was like, oh, man, I was really looking forward to seeing how this was playing out. And I hate to see storylines taken away from us like that. But that's this obviously I feel like as a fan watching it at home that this was not the original plan for Edge and the Judgment Day. Like this was going to play out for a little bit longer than obviously it, it, it was on our television, which is a bummer. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and, I, and I'm with you. I loved it because when you looked at that new Edge character, and, and I brought it up a, few, uh, a couple months ago when he first turned, you know, we don't have Triple H anymore. We don't have The Undertaker anymore. And this character was kind of landing in the middle of it to where you didn't need him wrestling all the time. He has the credibility where he can kind of be that Hulk Hogan NWO where you have to go through the goons to get that match with Hogan. Kind of the same thing. Like, especially if they had, you know, if they had a fit in, hey, I got a guy that wants to get an edge. He's got to go through Priest. Got to go through Balor to get to Edge. Like, it made a lot of sense. And that's why, like, you know, the whole, the graphics and everything else. That's why that story about the supernatural thing, I'm like going, that's kind of where this group was kind of headed into a little bit. I mean, they were doing blackouts and turn the lights back on. That's kind of the same MO. It's like, it made a lot of sense. It fit that character. Um, I just hope that this group doesn't fall by the retribution wayside and gets disbanded before edge can turn back. And, really kind of bring this group to fruition. That's a great, uh, I don't know if you were going that direction, but we loved how the redemption storyline was starting out there. And then it just was complete shit afterwards. Yeah. Retribution, excuse but me. Mustafa, but Mustafa Ali got a U.S. title shot this past week. So, you know, hey, <sighs> it, 
Good I, news come to those who wait. I am a big Mustafa Ali fan, and I do agree he deserves better. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there you go. Retribution had a ton of potential behind it, obviously, and then it, it did not come to fruition like we thought. But we've seen that play out over time. We'll see where things play out as we go forward here. It'll be like the second week now. Uh, post-Punk in AEW, post-Cody Rhodes in WWE, when we'll see, like, when these guys will be back. I, I mean, what's what's the timeline here, Dr. Try? Like, I'm thinking I'm thinking Cody's going to try and wrestle at Money in the Bank. Like, I just think he's that psychotic, and they can kind of hide him a little bit in the Money in the Bank ladder match, because I think that was the plan the entire time, was for him to win that match, and we have the briefcase, hold on to it for a while, all that stuff. I think he was the guy for it. Um, and I just have this feeling that he'll try to be in that match, but I, I think we don't see him back until Survivor Series. As for Punk, I don't think Punk's back until, like, my God, a lower leg injury. That's got to be six months. I, I mean, I'm thinking we're at the end of the year at this point. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, because even it, for one, it, it'd be really hard for Cody to grasp the briefcase off the ladder one arm. And that would be my only issues because, I mean, it's already bad. You got to let that thing heal, otherwise, it's just going to get worse and worse, and he's not going to have use of his left arm. So, um, I'm kind of thinking, yeah, you know, Survivor Series, or hold him off at that point to the Rumble because I thought he was going to win the Rumble. You know, point, and, and yep. go from there. But, you think the Rock has a chance? No, I, I I think Rock has a chance, but if you win, you know, you you also want to have a backup plan, I guess. You know, and just in case Rock all of a sudden can't pull it off. Like, I mean, there's really, I mean, I, I've heard, I've, I think you've probably read the reports too. Like, his, his schedule kind of clears up around WrestleMania season. But, you know, I, I was kind of leaning towards Cody winning the Rumble. So if you bring Cody back at the Rumble, you could go that direction. Um, or at least just hold him off to the Rumble and he gets a rematch with Seth because the storyline is going to be Seth took him out with the sledgehammer shot. I don't think you do that angle on Raw if you're going to have Cody wrestle in three weeks of money in the bank. So I think that's a way to write him off for a while. The punk stuff. Yeah, probably for, I mean, it's just weird when they say lower leg. I mean, that could be, we had surgery, but it could be tibia, uh, was, fibia, ankle, yeah, I mean, foot, it could be an ankle toe. So, I mean, I've seen, I've seen ankle surgeries take three months. I mean, tear a quad. It could be longer. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's hard to say, but, um, I mean, if it's six months, do you keep calling Moxley the interim champion for six months every time he comes out to wrestle? I guess you. I guess you do. They'll probably drop the interim I mean, interim word until Punk comes back. Would be my guess. I mean, to me, that's why when they if you do the interim thing, I think it's probably two to three months. If it was going to be longer than that, then I think you just go ahead and have, have him vacate the title, and then, I mean, hell, if he's out six months and gets that return, he's going to have a return the same size as almost the same size as it was when he. First return to Chicago. I mean, the crowd's going to go nuts because that music hits and people are going to go nuts because they missed him for six months. So, Are you surprised uh, how tight-lipped they are on this entire thing, Dr. Trey? <laughs> well, look, given the MJF stuff and then this stuff, like apparently AEW can hold – I mean, and then you go back to the Brody Lee stuff. AEW can hold a secret. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it's literally like, like nothing gets out of that place unless they want it to leak out. True, true. When do you think, when do you think he got hurt? Um, I, I kind of thought it was the, the springboard because of the way his, his foot kind of looked on it. Yeah. Like when he hopped up and it slipped, I didn't, to me, it kind of looked like his ankle rolled a little bit because he looked fine all the way up until that spot. So can you imagine like, if it comes out that it was the stage dive against the gun club uh, for the fact that he got no, no, the stage dive going into the crowd before the match? No, no. Yeah. I just meant I, like just in theory, the fact that he got hurt, um, involved with max caster in the gun club you know it's like there's a hierarchy of of, of of stable groups that i would be acceptable like oh he got hurt fighting jericho in the js all right cool he got fight he got hurt fighting the elite all right cool he got hurt fighting the acclaimed gun club i mean that's just where yeah we i mean i well you knew they were going to want him to wrestle at los angeles you, you yeah. know i mean the, the pairing with ftr i thought was pretty good um, I do like what they're doing with the claimed and, and gun club, but I, I do understand what you're saying. So Levels. nonetheless, it's uh it's a tough time for both WWE and AEW pivoting from, you know, they're arguably their two most popular stars right now being out with injuries, one holding a championship, one 
um, chasing a championship dream and goal. So tough times for both companies there. It just sucks in wrestling. Like we've seen this before where they get like wrestling just gets on this injury run and it's awful. Like it, it's, it's happened in other companies as well. I mean, like Will Ospreay was just dealing with a kidney infection. It's like, it sucks. It's just like the injury bug starts hitting the professional wrestling ring. And, and it's like, okay, now I remember the last two years outside of like Bailey's injury that immediately comes to mind. Like we've been fortunate that there hasn't been some very serious injuries. Um, I know Asuka got hurt once we got once somebody we got back on the road, but it's like oh man, this is I forgot how bad this was at one period of time. So, um, with that said, let's get into uh, NXT in your house recap and review. We'll get to the first match here: Tony D'Angelo, Channing, Stax, Lorenzo, and Tony, Troy Two Dimes Donovan defeated Legato Del Fantasma in a six man tag team match. And now Legato joins the D'Angelo family. Both Doctor Tran and I had the the D'Angelo family winning. Uh, I thought this was a fun six-man tag team match. Crowd was into it, and it was nice to see Stax and Two Dimes get an opportunity to show off their in-ring abilities. I'm interested to see how this storyline plays out going forward, Dr. Trey. What say you on this match? Yeah, I, I thought it was a fun six-man tag. It, it didn't turn into a cluster at any point. Um, I, I'm, I, too, am interested to see how it plays out. I, I don't know about you. I actually read some of the spoilers for some of the tapings coming up because I don't get to watch 2.0 as much as I probably should. Um Maybe it comes down to a, uh, you know, loser leaves NXT uh, for the faction or maybe just, you know, versus D'Angelo and Escobar. Because, I mean, Escobar and his crew, they've been down there for, you know, a year and a half, two years. It is when it's getting to the point where it's like, hey, we either need to move them to the main roster or cut bait. So maybe that's maybe that's the route they take at some point. Hey, NXT 2.0 is not big enough for both groups. One of us has to leave. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that would have been. Interesting. That way they could get called up, right, to Raw or SmackDown. I was just thinking that out loud as you were uh, explaining it. Um, where do you stand on the Tony D'Angelo character? Because I'll, I'm going to preface this by saying that I think it's one of the most corniest gimmicks that they've given to a wrestler in some time. Uh, I mean, part of me is insulted with the whole Don gimmick because, you know, that was the full-blooded Italians, Tommy Rich. You know, that was... You know, and then after Tommy left the group, Tracy Smothers kind of took that role. So there is a little bit of personal side to it. it. It is very, like, generic. Like, hey, we're going to do a mob gimmick, and, you, you know, we're going to have a guy named Two, you know, named, uh, two Dimes. And, you know, it's like, it's very, very generic. I kind of feel like it's almost like an indie, like an indie show gimmick that somehow end up in 2.0. Yeah, I don't know. Just... I don't feel it. I feel like it's very lame to me. I really think it's one of the most lame gimmicks I've seen in some time. Like, I wasn't a huge fan of Santino's gimmick, the comedy stuff. Like, D'Angelo, like, he's just trying too hard on that on that accent and stuff. I just, it's not enjoyable to me. Yeah, it's like watching, it's like watching a, a Walmart version of The Sopranos. Yeah, it's bad. It's, it's, yeah. It is. I mean, in-ring stuff is fine. Character, I just think, is, is a little lame. It's but it is, a little I mean, cheesy. you look at it, you're you have the mob against the cartel. I mean, that's basically yeah. what these two groups labeled as. And it's like, all right, can we get any more? And, and the other thing, I, the thing I don't like about it is both groups are heels. So True. as a fan, like I don't like Escobar. I don't like D'Angelo. Why do I have a rooting interest in this rivalry continuing on down the road? Yeah, I mean, you see that a lot in NXT. Like, even with Tony D'Angelo working as a heel, he confronts uh, Carmelo Hayes backstage as the North American champion. Um, NXT kind of doesn't really care about baby faces and heels, which I don't know. Maybe that maybe is the modern-day wrestling uh, as well, we move forward here. Or it's, <clears throat> it's part of their development process for characters. Like, hey, let's we'll try your heel. Well, let's, like, let's, have, the, let's have you challenge another heel and see if that guy can kind of get a baby face pop. Because then maybe we have something. I think that's what they're trying to do with Carmelo. Is the guy's so charismatic? Well, we know he can do the heel stuff. Let's see if the fans will cheer for him against another heel. Because then maybe we have a baby face as well. And then when he gets the main roster, we know he can do one side or the other. So maybe it's just kind of part of their like development process when it comes to building these young guys up. Maybe, maybe that's maybe true. There, it's interesting how they do that NXT, well, not really anywhere else. Um, yeah, or I'm just giving him too much. Or I'm just giving him too much credit. Uh, I think you. I think you have something there. I mean, you see a lot more in NXT than you do on Raw and SmackDown. Um, yeah. Moving forward here, Toxic Attraction defeats Katana Chance and Caden Carter to retain the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship. We both had Toxic Attraction getting the win. 
A good tag match. Chance and Carter stepped up and showed they belong in the position they were put in as championship count contenders. Um, I hope these two teams have a rematch again soon. I enjoyed the match, Dr. Trey. What say you? Yeah, I liked it. Um, you know, it, it's, it wasn't the best match, but it was, it was, it was pretty solid. And, you know, the stuff with, you know, Carter and Chance, I, I, I kind of wish they'd been put in this spot a little bit earlier. Like, they've earned it. I mean, you go back to the pandemic days when we had the plexiglass up. Like, they always focus on those two girls. And I, I'm glad they're finally getting their chance to break out and kind of come up and get more TV time and get more exposure. Because, like, those two girls are freaks of freaks of nature when it comes athletically. So I'm hoping that they get more of a chance to shine and this just wasn't just a one-off and then they're back to the bottom of the of the totem pole. Uh, next match here is Carmelo Hayes defeating Cameron Grimes to win the NXT North American Championship. We both had Cameron Grimes. Um, solid match, which is expected from both wrestlers. I was surprised that Carmelo regained the North American Championship and that the Cameron Grimes title reign was kind of lackluster. I think Carmelo should be the NXT Championship discussion right now and not the North American title discussion. Uh, Dr. Trey, what say you on the North American Championship match? Yeah, it kind of made me sad. Like... <laughs> You and I have been big Cameron Grimes fans since basically his first days in NXT, and he finally wins a title, and he gets like the, like one of the most abbreviated title runs uh, in NXT history, and they go right back to Carmelo. So I don't know if this is almost like a, I don't want to call it a participation trophy, but because Cameron's been such a good soldier for the NXT brand for the last two years that, hey, we'll make you North American champion just so you can have it on your resume, but then we're going right back to Carmelo. But uh, you know, I'm just kind of curious to see where they go from here. I mean, I don't know if you read the, read some of the reports, but it does seem like they're staying behind Cameron at least. But who knows? I mean, the guy, I love the guy, but I don't know where he fits on the main roster if he ever gets there because he's so undersized. Um, and then if will he age himself out of NXT? Hmm. Interesting, interesting. Uh, the aging out stuff there. Uh, next match is Mandy Rose defeating Wendy Chu to retain the NXT Women's Championship. We both had Mandy Rose getting the victory. Good match. Mandy Rose has come a long way as an in-ring competitor. I'm not really sure I enjoy the Wendy Chu gimmick, but people do really seem to be entertained by it. Mandy Rose defeats Wendy Chu, Dr. Trey. Yeah, I mean, I thought this was uh, one of Wendy's better performances. Um, I, I, I like the character because I've never seen this before. So it does keep me interested, at least. And, you know, we've seen kind of cool gimmicks that are a little bit offshoot, kind of get a little bit of a push, and then they become a comedy act. I, I hope, for Wendy's sake, she gets a little bit better run than that. But, like, for this character in a match like that, I, I thought it was a fine match, and, and I do enjoy the Wendy Chu character because, God knows, I would take a nap anywhere if I could. Oh, you and me both, my friend. Uh, the Creed brothers defeated Pretty Deadly to win the NXT Tag Team Championship. We both had Pretty Deadly getting the victory. I thought this was a great tag team match, and I'm all in on the future potential of the Creed brothers. They are a great young tag team. I, I feel like Julius Creed could be a big player in professional wrestling someday. I really enjoy this one. It gave me the uh, the feels of the old um, you know, golden era of tag team wrestling in NXT, the Creed brothers defeating pretty deadly, Dr. Trey. You know, when I look at them, I, I do envision a young Steiner brothers. Like, the way they look, the way they yeah. act, and then... Like to me, Julius is the Scott Steiner of that team. Like he looks like he could be the guy that would you know get a little bit bigger and kind of break out on his own. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed the match. I thought it was one of the better tag matches we've had in a while in NXT 2.0. Um, by the way, I did not realize what Pretty Deadly's did they get renamed in UK before they came to the states? Uh, no, when they came to NXT USA, yeah. Yeah, because those names are god-awful. I didn't know what their names were. I just kept calling them Pretty Deadly, and then I read what the names were. I'm like, oh, my God, those are horrible. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it has everything Sorry. to do with the name change stuff that's going on lately, like Alba Fire and Kaylee Ray and all that crap. Um, Al- Alba Fire sounds like I burnt my toast in the, in the – like I burnt my bread. So I, okay. I don't like that name. Hmm. I just – I. They need to have a person that makes names, like just one person. I think they like, do. I think they do. That's the problem. Well, every time I read about it, they always say, hey, I got sent a list of names, and I chose this name. I was like, no, 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 no. Have somebody who has a more of a modern touch uh, actually just pick the names, because some of these names are just horrendous, and we'll get laughed out of a building once we get to the main roster. But then again, I thought Dolph Ziggler would get laughed out of the building with that name, and it's sure. stuck. 
He's made a great career of it. And then finally, Braun Breaker, speaking of bad names, defeats Joe Gacy to retain the NXT Championship. I had Joe Gacy, Dr. Trey had Braun Breaker. Uh, Braun Breaker is starting to figure out how to be an in-ring performer. Good feud, good match, good storytelling. I enjoyed the match, Dr. Trey. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. You know, it's weird. Like I always say, like, I, I, I like Hoss fights. I like when two big guys go at it. Uh, and these are both big guys that can move really well. So I always love those matches because the, the strength kind of cancels itself out. They got to go to a backup style to get that cross. Um, like, I, you know, I told you last week, you had more balls than me because I wanted I wanted Joe Gacy to win because I kind of want to see what that character would do as the NXT champion. Um, but, you know, Braun's, you know, for as, for as little experience as he had coming into the business, I mean, he is – Picked it up so quickly. I'm, I'm, he's not at Kurt Angle quickness picking up level, but he's not far off from that. Like he's come a long way in a short amount of time, and he's made me a fan despite how horrible his name is. Favorite <laughs> uh, view prediction record for me in your house. I went three and three. Doctor Trey went four and two. After this one, I sat fifteen and twenty three. Doctor Trey thirty nine and thirty four. Uh, my match of the night was Creed Brothers and Pretty Deadly. I gave gave the event rating a four point zero out of five. I thought this was a breakout performance for the NXT 2.0 version of the brand. Um, I thought this was their best show that they've done since the reboot back in September of last year. I really enjoyed this match. I thought it was a very solid top-to-bottom show. Is it takeover quality? No. But you could see that the uh, the brand may be heading into you know similar waves that the gold and, uh, Black and Gold era did at one point. Dr. Trey, your thoughts here? Match of the night, event rating. Uh, my match tonight was Creed Brothers against Pretty Deadly as well. I thought that was a fantastic tag match. I, I don't know. I, I think you're grading on a curve because I, I was at like a 3.6. Like, I just I felt like it was a good show, a solid show, but it's it's not at black and gold takeover level. And those, no, were, no, always no, four point, those were always 4.0 shows for me. So That's fair. 3.6 for me. I think this is one of those shows. You know how when you and I get really hyped up for a match and then the match comes off and we're like, yeah, it was a good match, but it didn't live up to our expectations. I, I think with these takeover pay per view or these these NXT pay per views, I go in with a lower expectation. So if it exceeds it, I want to grade it higher. But I have to look at it on terms of what NXT has put out over the last five six years. It's a three point six for me. You know, um, this is going to be a bold statement here, but um, I I I thought it was a very solid show. I I didn't feel like I graded it on a curve in any way. I just felt like it was uh, the most enjoyable show that I've seen out of Hell in a Cell. Um, as well as I thought this show was more enjoyable than AEW Double or Nothing the weekend prior. And that's the bold thing I want to say is I I thought it was better than AEW's Double or Nothing show. Ooh. Um, I mean you I, you you graded I, it higher than what you gave Double or Nothing. Yeah, but then again, I also like was exhausted, and that's kind of why I lowered my standing on it because it was damn near it was a five hour show, Jeff. I had things to do, so I, I kind of docked them some points for. I mean, in ring wise, I don't know if it's on the level of what Double or Nothing was. I just think Double or Nothing just got exhaustive after a while, and that brought down the enjoyability of the show for me. But I think that's the direction that I think wrestling should be going right now: is you get in, you get out, you give the people what you want. And you leave them thinking that they watched a solid show. And I thought this was a very solid show. I know you don't watch NXT 2.0 all that much, but I thought that this was a very solid. I thought this was the best show that they've done since the relaunch, period. Yeah, I that, thought it was great. That, yeah, that I agree with. But I, I still kind of grade it up against everything else NXT's put out. And, you know, it, like. Yeah, we but at- I mean, you can make a case that Black and Gold. I, I think the takeover shows that we used to cover here are some of the best runs yeah. of premium live events, pay-per-views, whatever you want to call them we've ever seen. Yeah, and, and better than AEW, better than the WWE run of stuff. Yeah, and those were usually 4.0s enough for me. That's why I didn't want to get too close to a 4.0 cuz for me they're just not there on that level yet. Fair. It's fair. Yeah. No, I mean, I get it. I at the end of it I thought it was just a very very solid, well-done show and I thought the NXT crew uh deserves uh deserves the praise for it. Going into Hell in a Cell hell here, Bianca Belair defeats Asuka and Becky Lynch to retain the WWE Raw Women's Championship. We both had Bianca Belair getting the victory. Great triple threat match. This was Belair's big, biggest victory of her career, in my opinion, defeating Becky and Asuka at the same time. And I love that she took a page out of Becky Lynch's book to do it by stealing the pin. I didn't realize how much I missed Asuka 
until I watched her performance in this match as well. This was a great match, Dr. Trey. Bianca defeating Asuka and Becky Lynch. Yeah, this when this when this match when I was watching this match, I'm like, man, this is it's gonna be hard to top this match. Like the, like all three girls brought it. Um, God, I mean, you're right though. I love watching Austin in the ring, um, and the stuff that she did, like the way they put that stuff together with her and Becky, and then Becky and Bianca, and then the near falls and everything else. Like they did a really really good job with this match, and Oscar's just so much fun to watch because you can tell, like we you know we've been doing the show almost eleven years. Every time somebody's having fun in the ring, you feel it. Asuka's always having fun, and it just makes her matches a little bit better than somebody who every now and then you just kind of feel like maybe might be going through the motions, a la Sasha Banks uh, prior to the last year. Uh, the next match here is Bobby Lashley defeating almost an MVP. We both had Bobby Lashley getting the victory. Though the match was fine, almost showed signs of being green in the ring. Lashley's really over as a baby face. Not much more to write about this one. Lashley defeats almost an MVP, Dr. Trey. Dude, the pop that Lashley got. Yeah. Like, I was not expecting that crowd to be... I don't know if it's they love Lashley that much or they just really hate MVP and Omos. Um, but, yeah, that crowd was super into Bobby Lashley. And I, you know, for two big guys and then you throw MVP in the mix, like, I thought it was a fine match. The Cedric run-in I thought was a little bit odd and then, like, nothing comes of it from on Monday night other than, huh, maybe Cedric's going babyface. So, uh, but overall, I mean, I thought it was a fine match between two big guys and, you know, having Lashley and MVP in the ring with almost helped him. But yeah, he's still really, really raw. Uh, next match is Kevin Owens defeating Ezekiel. We both had Ezekiel getting the win. We did not correctly predict that one match again was fine. Kind of surprising that Kevin Owens won after the way this feud has been going where like uh, Kevin Owens was always the foil. So uh, KO defeats Ezekiel. Dr. Trey. You know, it's weird that I'm I'm super happy I got a prediction wrong. Like, I really did not want KO to lose that match because although the Ezekiel character is different and, you, and a little bit di- like like unique, I, I'm still not into it. He just he looks like looks like Lex Luger with like the wor- like you know total package Lex Luger with the worst face ever. Like the caveman from Geico face on Lex Luger's body. Yeah, like it's just it's kind of weird because we all I mean like. Plus, Elias does, or Ezekiel does not look right without a beard. It just looks awkward. But I mean, the guy can wrestle. I mean, that opening sequence with that knee and the elbow, dude. I thought we were. I thought we were getting an eighteen second match, and then like it got, it went longer at least. Thank God. But like the guy can wrestle. I just, I think this character only has a certain amount of shelf life, and I'm just kind of waiting for them to pull the sticker and put the clearance tag on it. Yeah, it'd be interesting how they do it. I think eventually, like he goes away. Grows the beard out, Elias returns. Like it's like the two faces of Foley almost. Oh, oh, by the way, real quick. Yep. My buddy and I had this great idea. They hire Aaron Stevens to come in and play Elias. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean He's retiring soon, but yeah. That's that was our that was the other thing we had. Like, well, he always retires, but I'm like, yeah, long hair, beard. I mean, we joke that Elias looked like Seth. I mean, there's a lot of guys with the long hair beard look. It's like Hell, bring Sandow back in to be Elias's stunt brother. Yeah, that'd be funny. Yeah, you could do uh, like like Under Faker when they had Brian yeah, Lee working as the Undertaker. Maybe Ted DiBiase brings back uh, Elias, uh, the fake Elias. <laughs> uh, next match here is the Judgment Day defeated Finn Balor and AJ Styles and Liv Morgan. We all both had the Judgment Day. Solid match that broke down pretty quickly and tags were out the window. You know that I'm not a fan of that. I always point at AEW for doing it, so I want to correctly show that I notice, I'll notice it when WWE does it. For those AW marks out there. Uh, the feud has been a little weird, but the match delivered. Your thoughts? Judgment Day defeating Finn, AJ, and Liv. Yeah, I, I like the match. Uh, I'm not a fan of intergender matches because it's just weird, especially in a, ta- especially in a match like that where you got a six-person tag, but when the girls tag out, like everybody has to stop and switch. Like It's like going to a hoedown and the person yells out, switch partners, and you're just like, oh, where do I end up with? Oh, I'm over here now? Okay, let's go. It's just, at times, it feels a little bit weird when they do those tag breaks, but they made the best of the situation. Like, it was an enjoyable match, um, and and it, you know, kind of set the tone. Like, once Balor got pinned, I kind of expected him to either join or turn. I actually called it for Sunday night, but, you know, I got it the next night, so there you go. Uh, next match here is Madcap Moss defeating Happy Corbin in a no-holds-barred match. Good performance for Madcap in this position, taking on the veteran Happy Corbin. It'll be interesting to see where Madcap goes from here. Dr. Trey, your thoughts? 
is he still Madcap? Because I thought he like that's what. By the way, that was he is. Yeah, I mean that's what they're they're calling him, Madcap Moss. But he's not Madcap. Like he's not a Madcap character anymore. Like it's it's like I like Riddick Moss a lot. I I thought even going back to his NXT days when he was tagging with Tino Sabatelli, that he had a really good look. Uh, he can move. Like he has everything. Like it, the Madcap Moss gimmick was, had a short shelf life as well. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Did you like him busting out of the ambulance to start the match? Uh, was that on? I thought that was on SmackDown, right? Was that on SmackDown? Like, yeah, that was on SmackDown. Um, I was fine with it. I, like, I, did he steal uh, it? Did he bring it back? To, did this been in there for all for an entire week just in that one ambulance? Uh, yeah, I guess he was in there the entire week. Nobody fed him. They were like, "Yo, dude, I'm just gonna leave some food underneath this uh, this stretcher for you." Um, I, I, I think it was fine because it just showed that he had changed his character a bit. He reminded me a lot of when John Cena first debuted. Like this is he's kind of generic now. Like where do we go from here? That's why I said it's like this is going to be interesting to see where he goes from here because his gimmick wasn't that bad. Like him doing the dad jokes and being a babyface, thumbs up, emojis, all that shit, the suspenders. I thought it was fine. Like I thought it gave him a little yeah. bit of life and some character. Now he's lost that. I get it why they did that because they. Needed him to shed away from Happy Corbin, but it's like, okay, where do we go from here now? Who is going to be ha- uh, Madcap Moss, Riddick Moss, whatever you want to call him, Moss Madcap? I don't know. Yeah, it, it just it reminded me of when Dolph Ziggler showed with Vicky Guerrero. He had brown hair. Oh, I hated that when they cut his hair. Then he was blonde the next week. Yeah, and it was um, like he looked like every other wrestler. And I, I kind of every now and then when they do these changes, it's like, man, you, you still need a character because. We didn't real. I mean, we had a little bit of investment in the mad, in the madcap Moss dad joke kind of guy, but then this guy's like, "I'm just a badass." Like, give me, still need a little bit more. I guess we, I just need some more character development to figure out where this character's going before I can really fully engage it. Uh, next match here, we'll get into it. United States Championship Theory defeating Mustafa Ali. We both had Theory. Uh, okay, match. Theory is a character. Great. Ton of potential. However, I want to see a Theory match where he breaks out as a great entering performer. He is solid, but I want to see more from the young star. Obviously, I feel like Mustafa Ali deserves better as well. Dr. Trey, your thoughts, Theory defeating Mustafa Ali? Yeah, I, I thought it was a fine match. I, if you're going to have Mustafa be a babyface, let him bring back his Iron Man gimmick, because that was awesome. Uh, and it was super over. Um, I, I, I think with Theory, like, yeah, he's a great, he, he's a really solid in-ring guy right now, but I do want to see more, but I think in that position of being U.S. champion, they're never going to give him more than 10 to 15 minutes in a match. So it's going to take, you know, a John Cena SummerSlam match to really see if he can go with the big boys. Yeah, it's got to be something. And John Cena on his way back, everybody's thinking, ah, do we get the theory Cena match? It's quite possible. And then finally here, main event match, Cody Rhodes defeating Seth freaking Rollins in a Hell in a Cell match. I had Seth, Dr. Trade, Cody. Memorable, historic performance for Cody Rhodes to wrestle in a Hell in a Cell match with a torn pectoral muscle. Respectable performance that will live on forever, uh, that will take Cody to the next level where only a few sit in professional wrestling. Uh, Cody was obviously very limited, but he put on one hell of a gutsy performance to still wrestle and deliver for the fans on Sunday night, Dr. I mean, what do you say bad about a guy who's wrestling with a fully torn pectoral muscle in a freaking Hell in a Cell match? Amazing performance from both men. Obviously, if he was healthy... The match would have been a little bit more of like a flow and made sense and all that stuff. But for what took place, I don't think we will ever forget what Cody Rhodes did this past Sunday night against Seth. No, that was that was amazing. I mean, when you say like, what can you say bad about him? I'm like, well, he still has a neck tattoo. True. But outside yeah. of that, like it was it was it was a really really gutsy performance, and you know you could tell he was limited. You can tell Seth helped carry that match and. You know, I mean, Seth probably oversold at times for stuff that Cody was doing with one arm, basically. But, yeah, this is, uh, to me, this was Seth's best Hell in a Cell match he's ever had. Um, And he's been in five of them now. Better than the Uh, one against Bray Wyatt? That was sarcasm. (laughs) That was sarcasm, folks. The red light special. Um, I mean, even that one he had with with Ambrose when they did the double fall off the side of the cage. Like, that. The match was fine, but it was like this is memorable. Like this is one of those ones. This is like up there with some of the great Hell in the Cell matches. Based on the circumstances involved, it was fantastically done. Kudos to both those guys for Cody for gutting out the performance, Seth for you know being a good soldier and helping carry it. Just a great, great job for both those guys. Um, 
pay-per-view prediction record. I went four and two. Dr. Trey went five and one. Uh, I went f- we're 54. I'm 54 and 25 after the weekend. Dr. Trey 44 and 35. Uh, my match of the night was Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins, and I gave the pay-per-view a 3.5. Dr. Trey, what say you? Helena Cell, match of the night, event rating. Yeah, I had Cody and Seth as my match of the night, which is which is impressive because that girls' match, the women's match, began the show was, was fantastic was as well. Was phenomenal, yeah. Um, and I was at a three point five. Uh, I liked NXT two just a hair better. It was amazing. He had two really fantastic matches. Book mark, you know, you know um, I can't think of the word book book bookend. Bookend, yes. I don't know why I couldn't think of that word. Bookending the show and the stuff in the middle was eh. Which brought the score down. Like, if you just had one match in the middle of that show that we just went, damn, three fantastic matches, you'd be at 3.8, 3.9. But two bookend matches that were great, everything in the middle was kind of eh, 3.5. Uh, and then, Dr. Trey, quick thoughts here before we wrap up this week's edition of the show. First being, AW introduces new championship, the All-Atlantic Championship. Is this the right move for the promotion? How, how many titles are we up to now, Jeff? About 15, I think, with the ROH stuff. WWE, uh, AEW, CMLL, AAA, uh, and New Japan, uh, IWGP, uh, Warrior Wrestling, MLW, <laughs> Vice Television. We're almost to the point where in AEW everybody gets a title belt. Yeah, I mean it's especially because at some point we're gonna have women's tag belts, so that'll be four belts in the women's division on this on on a three hour televised product, and then. You know, Brit, Brit's carrying a title. Adam's carrying a title. They're not defendable, but they're titles. Like, everybody gets a title in AEW, apparently. But And, and then the concept of this title is it's the champion of the Atlantic Ocean? Yeah, is that nice? Like, so It represents all the continents that AEW is in. Like, the explanation of it I thought was dog shit. Isn't that what a world title is? I mean, if you... Uh, it's like... If you're, no, no. Hear me out. If yeah, your no, you're right. I agree with you. Seen, yeah, if your product is not seen in certain countries, it doesn't count. So <laughs> the world champion is seen by everybody who can see your show, which is the same thing as what you're saying the All-Atlantic Championship is. Uh, I'm just, I just want Jason Momoa to come in and challenge for the title in full Aquaman gear because the Atlantis... Uh, the city of Atlantis is in the Atlantic Ocean, so therefore True. he can challenge. True. Yeah, that's a good segue. I mean, it's on TNT all the time, Aquaman. Um, and then finally here, Dr. Tran, I'm just asking this because you are an Apollo Crews stan. Apollo Crews, now part of the NXT roster, reportedly. Thoughts on the return to the babyface side, return to NXT, and the uh, unfortunate loss of his gimmick and accent. Um. Maybe it's a good move for Apollo. Like this is something like we, you and I sat here for years saying he should have never been up when he got brought up. Um, he's a much better performer wrestler now than he was when he left NXT. Uh, I just, to me, I, I still don't think it's a long term thing. I think it's kind of hey, let's go back down, adjust your character, bring you back up, kind of like what they just did with Dolph, you know. So maybe that's the plan. The guy's like an incredible athlete. He's a freak of nature. And apparently Commander Aziz is coming back, too. And then maybe if we can get rid of that name, he goes back to Jeff. Say Babatunde. It's just the Babatunde. Babatunde is so much fun to say. Let him just be Babatunde. It's fun. Yeah, that quick cup of coffee from the Raw Underground is Babatunde. He also had a run in Evolve for a little bit when uh, Evolve was still around and NXT was partnered up with them, or WWE was. So. Yeah, and he looked like a legit badass on Raw. He did. Yeah. Parker uncensored or whatever it was. He did. I th- I forget who he confronted. It was like, was it Big Show? Yeah, I think so. And then yeah. Omos was, you know, the the door guy. Yes, yes, yes. That was back way back when when Omos was the door guy. I forgot about that. Thankfully, I forgot about that. Uh, and then uh, with that said, let's get a couple of plugs and sponsors out of the way. You can download the show every Thursday at RealGuyRadio.com, WrestleChatNet on Twitter, and the Still Real the Show iTunes feed. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to help us on the charts on iTunes. You can follow us individually on Twitter for myself at SRTUJeff and for Dr. Trey at the Dr. Trey. And, of course, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at SRTUPodcast. With that being said, what is going on in the wonderful world of Dr. Trey Franklin next this week? Oh, next week or the, uh, week. this week? Okay. So, like Jeff said, you can follow me on Twitter at the Dr. Trey, where you can see me talk wrestling and then also argue with my local uh, morning sports show. Uh, you can also follow me on Facebook and Instagram at, or just search out Dr. Trey Franklin. When you're on Facebook, check out Rocket City Championship Wrestling. We just had a big show this past Saturday on the heels of WrestlingCon 5. 
uh, new new titles were, were brought in. We renamed some titles. Uh, so you can check that on the Facebook page. And when the video is up, I will share it on our Facebook page. So there you go. Support all the great things that support the Stone Realtor Show and spread the word about SRTU each and every week. Uh, we'll be back next week on June the 16th for our, uh, next week's edition of the show. And then in two weeks, we'll be getting ready for Forbidden Door. Then we'll recap or review it again in, in uh, the last show in June. And then we'll get you ready for Money in the Bank. Um, things get very uh, crazy and hectic. It's been a couple uh, been a couple weeks here. AW Double or Nothing, NXT in your house, W Hell in a Cell, all in one shot. Lots going on in the world of professional wrestling here as we enter the summer months. So for that, and with that said, thank you for making us part of your week. Tune in next week to SRTU. Uh, for Dr. Trey Franklin, I'm Jeff Peck. Thanks for tuning in. This is The Still Real Thug Show. about medi-cal you have a choice and molina makes it easy so let's talk about making your life easier about extra help to manage your health nobody knows medi-cal better than molina visit meetmolinaca.com let's talk today with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.